So what I learned in this comedy game, I'll tell anybody young, you know, in between or old, to always stay in your lane. Like just focus on you. Don't worry about what anybody else is booking. Don't worry about how many bookings they got. Don't worry how many albums they got, many specials. Just focus on you. If you focus on you and just worry about you, and even with that, write jokes about you. Like, just write jokes about, if you never had anal sex, don't be writing jokes about anal sex. Like, just write jokes about you, stay in your lane, and just focus on you. And sooner than you know it, you will be farther than you ever thought you would be. You are now listening to Mike's Side Chat Podcast. Here's your host, Xavier Hey guys, this is Mike's Side Chat, where I talk to my friends who are local doing comedy at the mics and shows I go to. And I have the distinct pleasure of talking with one of my good friends, uh, Ty Erskine. He is, this man is doing some cool stuff. He's also got his own podcast. I'll just do it up front. Uh, called Comedians in Bed. And that is a really fun listen. He talks to other comics around the country and their markets. And it really gets down to the nitty gritty of like how they got into comedy and um, just their story and everything. And it's always insightful and sometimes really fun and sometimes kind of disturbing. And that's what makes it a fun podcast. But I'm happy I have him on here with me right now. How are you doing, Ty? Man, I'm doing great, man. I'm high. <laughs> the weather's great. It's a Sunday. Don't got to work tomorrow. God is good. <laughs> is there ever a point where you are not high, man? I just... Man, I would say when I'm asleep, but I usually go to sleep high too. So. <laughs> nah, man, you know, I just got a lot of childhood trauma. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Weeds the fix all. It weed does. is what it do, man. I got right. a joke right now I'm working on where I say counseling God and weed. You know, <laughs> it's my holy trinity. It hasn't failed me yet. So yeah, man. That is uh that's so funny. But no, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. That's good, though. That's good. Hey, I mean you seem like you're chilling. You are you are currently high, right? Am I correct in saying that? Okay. I was mildly, assuming mildly high. Mildly, yeah, okay. It's, Not it's as coming high down. as you'd like to be. Yeah, oh, you're coming, coming down. Okay. Yeah, like so when I be high, like I don't be like high, high. I just smoke half a blunt. Okay. And then I go out my day and then I go home, finish the blunt, you know. I see. Yeah, see. So yeah. you only get cloud nine high. You're like maybe cloud five and a half. High. Yeah, I just get it high enough for high for enough. the day. For the day. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh I've experimented with the uh the herb myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know, people don't call it that, but... Uh, that is funny. I remember yeah. the first time I seen you drunk. Oh, really? Oh, man, we even thought my it was so, it was, about weed, it man. Was sometime, oh. It was sometime at Shrunken, and it was for your birthday, uh, and somebody dropped you off at home. I ain't, like, that's the only time I seen you drunk. That was two years ago, man. <laughs> I'm a new person now. <laughs> yeah, that was a wild night, dude. That might have been the drunkest I've ever gotten as an adult, and it was really scary, because I woke up that next morning with my pants down, um, I was on my couch and, uh, to my left, I had like three containers of liquids. Uh, one was water. One was juice. I think I had drank all of it, but I could see the remnants of it. And then a third container that was too mysterious for me to figure out. I think it might've been more alcohol. Uh, and then to my right on the ground, my wallet had been like, uh, fanned out, <laughs> like credit cards were everywhere. And then there was a trash can. It looked like a terrible setup, like, like a crime scene, like a fucked up crime scene. And I had no clue what happened. I found out much later what actually went down. But, uh, yeah, I don't drink anymore because of that. Um, that scared me straight. That's why I don't drink, man. When you drink, I'll be feeling too vulnerable. Weed, I feel I feel like I'm in control with weed. You feel like you're in control? Yeah. You get to control how high you get? Yeah, man, especially when you know the strain. Yeah? Yeah. I don't really know that much about, like, the different strands. <laughs> like, I know there's sativa, 
Indica. Yeah. And then like you used- I, I say that I say that's like the brand. That's a brand, okay. Yeah, like okay. that's that's like your store. Either you go to Walmart or Target, right? <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But what's in there is what matters, right? So I always I try to get drug dealers who can who know exactly what I'm smoking because I can't just do this gas or this is fire anymore. Okay. You'd you be asleep at like three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so I try to get I try to get exactly what's the name of the strand and then I look it up on leafy.com, look at the side effects, look at how it's gonna help me. It'd be like leafy's really good, man. It'd be like twenty eight percent help with depression, twenty eight percent help with anxiety. Okay. It breaks all the way down. My weed experience has been better since then. Holy crap, leafy's it's called leafy. Leafy, yep. It's a website. Yep. That sounds like leafy is uh, the the weed equivalent of Wikipedia for weed. Yep. Wow. Yeah, it's good. I didn't know we become we come that far as a society. We're like, you know, we're gonna really organize this. And learn HTML. <laughs> yeah, man. So I can look it up right now. I'm on. I'm smoking uh grapefruit, uh runts, which I really don't rock with runts. Okay. Too many niggas have sell runts in my past. And it just hasn't. <laughs> but work. if I look it up right now, I don't know. If this is exactly. It just say gra- grapefruit, but it just says the feelings is like energetic, uplifted, talkative. Oh. You know, I'm not really talking. You were not talking at all. Yeah, I was like, okay, it's kicking in. <laughs> but the negatives is like dry eyes, headaches, and dry mouth. Mm. And say like thirty four percent for thirty four percent for stress, twenty nine percent for depression, twenty four percent for anxiety. Okay. So yeah, and you not- have, you have anxiety, like you have social anxiety. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah, I think I have that. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I have and I have depression. So I, ever since I started smoking this yesterday, I've been more talkative. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it got out of my little. Episode. That's a good side effect, you know. <laughs> I feel like the opposite would be like kind of scary. Like you already don't talk much when you're sober, yeah. or not not high. So for you to be high and I know not right? talkative, it would make you kind of look like real, real scary and like suspect. <laughs> like is Ty okay? I don't know, but he's been like in a daze staring at me for like the past five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but when I do talk, it's always good conversation. Oh, bro, you're easily one of the wisest people I know. <laughs> You're younger than me, which is so confusing. Like, my brother's like that. My little brother, the one you know, yeah. Colin. Like, he's like that. He's always been like that, though. Like, even when we were kids, he's probably like a cool baby. I don't yeah. know. I feel like his labor might have been the easiest one yeah. for my mom. But um, yeah, no, he's been that way since I since we were kids. And I feel like you have you always been like that, like that wise sort of like mentality. I think quiet. I mean, if you pay attention, it kind of makes you that way because you're always. You learn you learn to use your other senses. Okay. So you 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 look at people, you hear people talk and stuff like that, and you just kind of pick up on gems. But really, for real, for real, shout out to um, another great podcast called Quote of the Day Podcast. Um, Sean Croxton, like he just has motivational speakers on there. It might be like a pastor or like an actual motivational speaker or just like an athlete. Okay, and they kind of just say something. They gotta just like pull a quote, and they just kind of. Um, Talk about like motivational stuff to kind of get you going, and I kind of started listening to that like probably 2018, like every day for the most part, like oh, wow. at least five days a week. And I kind of just it kind of really like changed my outlook on life and stuff like that. Wow, this is when I started meditating too. So I would meditate while listening to that, and they'd be like seven minutes a day, like 11, no more than like 20, but they really be like five, 10 minutes or whatever. And it's it really helps talk about money stuff, spiritual stuff, um, just stuff about your dreams, like a whole bunch of stuff. I like it. Like I always try to like listen to a quote of the day podcast. Quote of the day podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's dope. But who's who's that with? Sean Croxton. Sean Croxton. And he's really into like books and stuff, and I like reading books. Oh, me so, too. Like, that's, yeah. why I'm, that's why I'm curious. So he has like a monthly book club, and like okay. they'll talk about it and stuff like that. He usually reads like motivational books, but he also reads books about like 
how to be like a human and how to be how the mind works, okay. stuff like that. And that's yeah, I learned a lot from listening to his podcast. Like, that's he, dope. I'm he gonna be listening to that here soon. That, yeah, it's, it's really like good, man. It's really good. I yeah, mean, a lot. Um, is he based here in Columbus or is he? You know I think he's, he's in at? San Diego, California. San Diego. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dope. Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had mentioned it when we first opened up because I have no problem with shameless promotion. But you do you do a podcast called Comedian Bed Comedians in Bed, right? Yep. How has that been going? Like you're probably one of the first uh, podcasters I um, started listening to locally, like second to like uh, Lucas Mateus, who did like just the essentials. He yep. still does that out in LA. Shout out uh, to which Lucas, is a great podcast too. Uh, and then Eddie's got uh, how um, help me, I'm high and I can't get down or some stuff like that. Shout but it's Eddie. also funny. You, you were on one episode. Yeah, I was on both of those shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So like, what's what's it been like doing like your own podcast and like how has that influenced like your comedy journey? Man, to be honest, I started the podcast because I had one previously. You was on at the session. We gonna have you on this one too. Let's go. Um, but I just felt like our community, our comedy scene was too toxic, and I couldn't learn nothing from nobody. So I was just getting frustrated, and um, I was like, that frustration is hurting me. Like I'm not, it's not hurting the people that's frustrating me. So I just like, you know, what, I'm gonna just find my own way and so i just was high one day and you know the comedians in bed popped in my head and i was like this is a great title and i found a little little picture or whatever and i put it together and i was like i'm just going to use this to network and get information that i would really want to know because you know i think i do still have social anxiety and i'll be sometimes i just don't feel like coming up to people and talking to them and asking them certain things if i don't feel comfortable so, um, but for some reason, I feel comfortable with total strangers. Like, oh, so I used to be a, uh, I used to be a sports and news broadcaster. Oh, snaps! Yeah, so well, that, uh, I, I can hear that in your voice. Yeah, so <laughs> it's very soothing. So, like, strangers come, come talking to strangers is real easy to me. Obviously, I do comedy, but like, yeah, I just started asking questions about like the business and everything like that, and just learning and like. There's so many people out here that got their own albums, their own comedy specials, and like this wealth of knowledge. And like, to be honest, ever since I started the podcast. My comedy went up to a whole nother level because the advice that they was giving me, I was taking it on stage. You know what I'm saying? Like I learned how to close and open because I used to I used to run over jokes, like run over laughs. I learned how to do that from a comedian that I uh, how not to do that from a comedian that I interviewed on my podcast, um, Arun Rama. And then I learned uh, I learned uh, how to. In a way, I learned how to, like, close because I used to, like, not know how to close. Like, when I got down with a set, like, I would be, like, so anxious and be, like, <laughs> I would just mumble off the stage, like, here goes your next. And then fumble up their name, the host's name. And then I learned how to, like, open, like, during that whole period. Like, I just started saying, what's up, Caucasians? And that kind of just opened the door for me to crack up a joke. So, like, I've learned a lot, and it's going real good. Like, the numbers aren't necessarily where I want them to be, but as long as I'm learning and people that watch it, are learning too. That's what matters most to me. And I really feel like for real comedians in bed, we really have a gang of comedians who you will know like 10 years down the road from now. Like I got an episode coming out pretty soon next month with um Ali Sadiq's uh opener who's from what? Cleveland. Dude, he's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to John. Like he's gonna be on the podcast. Um I had this one girl named uh Jacia Dixon. Okay. Who's on a show on Netflix? Like I've met, like oh, wow. I've uh, had Hank Chin on there, who's been in Life Size Two with Tyra Banks. Like I've met nice. a wealth of people that when I go to their city, I can be like, "Hey, I'm in your city. Do you have spots for me and everything like that?" And that's initially what it was, you know. So I, I love doing comedians in bed, man, and I've I've learned so much, and it's, it's been it's been great, it's been great for me. 
that's uh it sounds like your heart grew a few inches a few few sizes you know along the way you you came into it you know very selfish like i want this for me and then you turned just like the grinch you grew a, <laughs> grew a big heart you know what maybe it's for us this is for us i found that when i asked those people on my show like inner questions that i want to know yeah. there's usually questions that other people want to know and it's be like oh dang you know what i'm saying so yeah, man, I don't know. It was, they really, like, people really just talk to me for a whole hour. They don't even know me. Like, they just be like, yeah, I'll do it, you know? So I haven't got, like, a real, real big name comic on there yet, but, you know, baby steps, you know? Hey, man, just one step at a time. I, I, I've listened, like I said, I've listened to a lot of the episodes, and I really believe that um, it's only a matter of time somebody's like, hey, man, I heard that last episode. It really touched me. I want to get you in contact with somebody, insert big name, and you'll be like, yeah. Yeah. So it's only a matter of time. I'm 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 praying that on you. <laughs> you just need to receive and let it come into your life. <laughs> this is Prayer what happens warriors. when you grow up in church, man. It yeah. always comes out. <laughs> Prayer warriors activate. Prayer warriors come get him. Help this man out. But yeah, no, that's dope, dog. Like I um even with my own experience, I've only done like maybe ten ten or eleven episodes of this podcast, but it has had an in- impact on how I do comedy. Uh, from the performance aspect, it's given me that room to not only incorporate the um, the lessons that uh, I hear other comics impart on the listeners and myself, but it also gives me that that other. I become more of a student. I'm like, oh wow, yeah. that's right. I'm I'm feel like I'm relearning lessons I thought I already knew, and then it's like I should reapply that. Yeah, yeah. You know? On your podcast, I heard Murph be funny for the first time in my Man, life. Man, me too. I, was like, <laughs> I didn't even know Murph could be funny, but you know, here we are. We did a thirty-minute episode. I had a lot of people. Like, Murph was actually funny. I was like, I, was like, I, know, that's I was crazy. like, this nigga's hilarious, bro. I was like, I was like, man, let me go ahead and put him on my podcast. I know. I even added him on Instagram. I was like, we can be. <laughs> I was like, we can be friends for real. <laughs> but you know, wherever he is, R.I.P. He's, uh, he's right here somewhere. I love the new comics, man. It feel it feel like weird not be. I mean, I know I'm still new, but it feel weird like not being the newest, the newer ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know all of them because you know after Mike's I'll be gone. But like, yeah, yeah he's one of the the, the new the newer ones I, I like rock with. Like, yeah, yeah, me too. He's he's really cool. He uh he just had his first year anniversary. In yeah, comedy. yeah. We were talking about him because he was sitting here and not a nigga that got up to move. Like we roasted. He got up and left. <laughs> <laughs> it was about that time. Yeah. Uh, but now, no, it's it's cool to see the the new crop, the new generation, really of comics locally. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with the amount of mics we have oh, available. Yeah. You know, uh, more than ten years ago when I started, we had like two mics, bro, and you were fighting for stage time. No, and yeah. We had tons of showcases, but we only had like one or two real open mics, and even and one of them was was barely any good. So you were really just going up on stage for the stage time. Yeah. We had to leave town to find stage time and to get up and actually become better. But um, now they have like anywhere from 12 to 15 active mics in the city locally. Yeah, there's some a mic. Are monthly, some of them are weekly. A lot of them are weekly. There's like a mic every night now. Almost two every night, two yeah. or three. And when those weekly and bi-weekly like mics line up, you get like three and four mics you can hit in the night, dog. I'm not going to lie. It makes me feel like a real comic. <laughs> when I hit multiple mics yeah. in one night, it makes me yeah. feel like a real comic. Like, yeah, same, dude. Like, dang, like this is what it's supposed to be like. No, I agree. We can like get up and do work the same joke three different crowds. Yeah, you know. And if we don't want to work on that joke, we could do three different sets. But it's yeah. like that stage time really adds up, especially when yeah. you're a newer comic. Oh yeah, you know, the frequency. Like that's why I've always. I remember talking to a, a New York comic, and um, 
he was telling me how like if you wanted to you could get up on stage in new york like there's like 40 something opportunities or more every week for you to get up on stage and get get stage time now of course you gotta hustle to get the most of them because they're not close by but uh it was like dang man you can see people come out of markets like that that are brand new and be like a year or two in and just be super solid yeah because of that amount of time they can get up on stage that's how i grew like i just after covid uh more mics became available and i remember having a talk with lucas because i had seen this uh this documentary about women in comedy okay it was mainly about like new york women in comedy and this one woman she said that a lot of newer comments come up to her and ask her like how do you get good and then she asked him like how many mics do you do a week and she was like if they don't say every night then i know they don't take this seriously and i was like we don't got every night here but i was talking to lucas about it he was like well go as much as you can and that's that's what i started doing like at one point i was going like six days out the week i think or like six times out the week something like that so and that's how I really got good for real, for real. Now I'm kind of like addicted. Now I've kind of got to the point where I don't necessarily have to go out every time because I'm good enough to where I can just flow with my jokes on stage. Or I feel more comfortable enough to flow with my jokes on stage. I don't got to low. I don't got to know like every line. I don't got to low. I don't got to know. Blah. I don't got to know every sentence <laughs> line by line. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, like every new comic man, my advice is just to like go to every mic until you get burnt out. Like, you got to just got to do it. Like, I always try to break it down on, on a level that people can understand. Like, keep fucking until you fuck good. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, keep doing it till you know that you're undeniably good. And that's that's how you get good for it. You just got to keep keep practicing, keep going at it, for real. No, I 100% agree. Um, for, our, for our more PG-13 listeners, <laughs> uh, that process is more like, uh, you ever seen, like, a, a rocket take off into space? So... That very that initial like takeoff, it takes all of the energy, most of the most of the gas actually in the tanks to get it off the ground. But then as it gets higher and higher, it takes less and less energy and really gas for it to stay in the air and to propel forward. And once it once it crosses out of like you know the Earth's uh, atmosphere, whatever those scientific words are, um, it takes even less energy because now you're in a vacuum in space and yeah. you know there's nothing really there's no resistance yeah and i feel like it's the same thing with comedy like at, when you first start you need to be up on stage as often as you possibly can yeah because you need to get those those muscles formed those those neurons in your brain to create those new pathways you need to start developing the skills yeah and once they're more developed once they're more prominent just like that rocket that's in the middle of the sky you need less and less energy to keep that wheel turning right um and so you you're probably at that point now where it's like you need to do less mics but you're still getting more out of those mics because you have a more refined process right and i have a better understanding of what mics work like Mm -hmm. okay this mic i could just do crowd work this mic i could try new jokes they're gonna fucking bomb but you know (laughs) i could do new jokes here this one i can i can go in and out yeah like i Bro, I never would imagine, like, I'll be doing, like, comedy, like, out of, even out of Columbus, like, just to see, like, where it has gone, like, you know, it's, it's nothing big or major, but, like, yeah, I just never, I just never would have thought, like, I would be doing comedy in Chicago, L.A., you know, stuff like that, like, I don't know, that shit, like, crazy to me, it's fun, like, I, I like doing it, and, uh, yeah, I just like doing comedy, it really, like, saved, saved me from uh, a lot of stuff, uh, and ever since I've been doing it, like, life has been 
easier but hard at the same time meaning like i feel like when you really start chasing your purpose like all hell break loose because the enemy don't want want you to make it but yeah. at the same time like you feel such a peace because you know that what you're doing is what you're supposed to be doing mm-hmm. and that's kind of like what it's been like my family has never been so supportive of me <laughs> in my life. I'm like growing up, like even then, like I didn't talk to my, fa- I didn't really start talking to my family till like 23. Oh wow! So like you know, and then a couple years afterwards, I started doing comedy. So it was like for them to be supportive of me, for, for me like not talking to like doing like I really like like rock like my brother and sisters be coming to my shows and stuff, and my mom would be coming and stuff. Wow, like what's up. my mom is saved. So you know, like, <laughs> my mom. So like yeah, like I really like like. It's, that's the thing about comedy. Like, some days you might just mess up at a mic and you'd be like, dang, I don't know if I can if I can keep doing this. But it'd be like little stuff like that that'll just let you know, like, you're still on your way. You know what I'm saying? You just got to keep pushing. So, like, that support from family and friends has really, like, helped me a lot. Like, I, there's no way I could quit, you know? Yeah. No, I'm with you, dog. Like, I remember when I first started, uh, I was getting my grandma, my mom, everybody come out to these open mics. Uh. And uh, we all found out together uh, I felt weird. You know, cussing in front of my grandma, talking about sex and stuff like that, and they was like, "Oh, just do you, just do you, baby." I'm like, "That's crazy," because I come from a super religious family. But uh, then it became less about my background and more so about the craft. Yeah. And as I crafted my voice and, and got more familiar with comedy, I felt like those barriers in my mind started to come down because comedy became something else. It wasn't what I thought it was when I first got into it. It became its own thing yeah and it's always been present in my life just like you like it, it, i feel like it saved my life too uh on multiple occasions especially through school dude like bullying is very real when you're a child even as an adult um but when you learn to have a sense of humor about things it's less likely to happen in the form that we know it you yeah. know um so yeah it's it's become a savior of sorts for me too how did you how did you when you've when you first when you first um started out like how did you battle with like um like your christianity for real because i used to go up there and i used to cuss a lot yeah but i, I only knew i was cussing because what i was going through like when i'm going through a lot of stuff i, I cuss a lot you yeah, know yeah. or when i'm driving the traffic <laughs> i cuss a lot but like being a cuss like really not me so like but started early i used to cuss a lot and then like i don't know i like started to like i don't feel like i found my voice yet but i like i at least like know like my topics of area that I talk about. Sure. And then like also like what's a what is a dirty joke? Because I don't see sex as dirty like. No. No, it's not inherently dirty. I think so. That's actually a great question. Look at look you turning it back <laughs> on me. Was this comedian's a bit now? That's what I'm saying like every no, no. time you were in front of a comic, you ask a question yeah, you want to know. Like. No, I'm glad you did, man. I would I I would hope that my conversations with comics turn into this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I feel like when I first started, I did have those mental barriers like, oh, I can't say this. I shouldn't say this because of my background. Yeah. But then I started learning the, the different realms of comedy within stand up. Like you have the clean comedy world, which is its own thing all by itself. It stands alone. But then you have the clubs, the bars and the world that isn't considered clean, uh, way less clean. Mm-hmm. And the divide is so thin, dog, like you would it would surprise you, honestly. So. Uh, all of my favorite comics are able to do both rooms, both clean and blue. Yeah. Blue comedy, by definition, is anything that's, you know, talking about stuff like sex, like maybe drugs, you know, anything a little a little stronger in nature without censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, clean comedy world, you can do the same jokes and talk about the same topics, but it's uh, it's it's more indirect. So you use more euphemisms and 
it's more implied humor. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. There are a couple of uh, swear words and, and, and jokes that still fly as clean comedy, but you'd have to watch those comics to kind of see. Yeah. I can't give you like an example. It'd be like, this flies all the time. It's like sometimes it's different. Like Jim Gaffigan, for example, it's got a lot of jokes that are just purely family friendly. He's got some jokes that are like, oh, that flies is like clean comedy, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, you have to watch it for yeah. the examples. But he's got like five or six specials. Him, Nate Bergazzi. Like, there's a lot of clean comics that are just clean, but if you watch their stuff, you're not thinking they're clean. Yeah. You're just thinking, oh, that person's funny, or oh, that person's not funny. Um, for me, I think I started to, like, shift away from clean versus dirty comedy when I was just trying to dial in on my voice. I'm like, who yeah. am I naturally? Who am I naturally on stage, off stage? And I don't naturally cuss. Yeah. I don't naturally, I'm not naturally vulgar or anything like that. I just like to make people laugh. Yeah, right, right. The conversation or just in general. So I was dialing more into that. I was like, all right, what's my sense of humor? Mm-hmm. And it didn't have a lot of swearing or cussing or anything like that because of my background. Right, right, right. So a lot of my comedy up front was very clean, yeah. naturally. And so as I like learned more, it's like, oh, I know how to be dirty. I know how to be really dirty. Mm-hmm. But also, <laughs> dude, it's not hard. It really isn't. And that's like that's the advice I would tell somebody. It's like, I don't know how to work clean. It's like, it's actually easier to stay clean once you start clean. But there's nothing wrong with learning how to play dirty too or be yeah. dirty on stage if you're a dirtier comic by the definition of like clean versus not clean uh you just learn how to say things in a different manner yeah so instead of talking about sex directly like oh you know i was just was fucking her and you know she was getting yeah. this dick you know you don't have to say that you could just say like yeah we was getting it in and you know we was doing those those we was being very biblical yeah. we got to know each other very well you know she knew me i knew her you know it's just like it's implied based off of the context. Okay. And um, the more, actually, I think if you learn to do that, just from my, my experience, it does make you a better comic. Mm-hmm. Because back in the day, they didn't have a choice but to be clean right. or dirty based off the circumstances. If you were going to be on TV, you had to learn to be clean. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do the clubs, if it wasn't the Chitlin circuit, you right. know what I'm saying? Right. You had to learn to be a little, little different right. in front of a different audience. Yeah. So the skill of playing clean versus playing dirty, like, I think it's worth it for any comic. Yeah, it yeah. will make you a much, much more diverse comic. Also, there's a lot of money in corporate gigs, yeah. private gigs, and they usually want you to be cleaner. They'll pay you a lot more too. Yeah, yeah. I try to do that. Like when I'm writing, I try to like instead of saying, you know, to be worried, like what else can I say that's creative? You know, to, that wouldn't be expected that'll make people laugh. I, I feel like once I started to be like my authentic self, mm-hmm. that's when I started to thrive on stage because people can tell a phony. You know what I'm saying? Like. Like, newer comics, there's this one comic, I won't say his name. If he's listening, he know what I'm talking about. But, like, I don't think I told him this. But, like, he be saying sex jokes, and I just be like, dog, you don't look like you get coochie. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if you don't, that's fine. Oh, no. But you got to look the part. Like, I really, yeah. I realized, I remember, I think one day we was at Shrunken, and you said something about how I look like a thug. And I had, like, a sweatsuit on and, like, a gold chain and a hat, like a little yeah. skull hat. But I dressed like that on purpose. Like That's how I dressed. But, like, I dressed like that on purpose that night because I knew I was telling, like, nothing but black jokes you know so i knew it was gonna hit more if i dressed like a nigga you know what i'm saying (laughs) so like yeah like that's the that's the fun part about like comedy like you still got so much to learn like right now like i be learning like because i be thinking like i be talking about white people too much (laughs) but then i'm like all right who do you talk about off stage and it's still white people like so it's like all right long as you stay in like yourself like I'm, i'm cool with that but i am trying to like get away from that and like really work on like still work on the shorter jokes that I feel like I've been doing good at so I can then when I go back to writing stories my stories can be more 
polished because earlier on, I used to tell like mad stories, like yeah. mad stories. Like that's all I could do. And then I felt like a one trick pony. And I was like, nah, this is kind of boring. Like let's challenge myself. So I just started doing the, the shorter jokes and it started to, to hit a little bit more. And I, how I learned from that, I just, I watch a lot of comedy. So I just started, one of my favorite comics is Dion Cole. Oh, I don't feel like Dion Cole, Mike Epps, and Earthquake, they still have, they all have this, the same writing style. They just throw out a premise. Dion, he a little bit more. He'll do a little bit more. But, like, they just throw out a premise and then, like, three or four tags, and that's it. Yeah. Earthquake, he'll do about seven tags or whatever. Oh, but, yeah, he'll just keep going. He literally, that's why they call him Earthquake, man. Yeah. He literally will just, like, keep going. Uh, once he gets the crowd laughing, he will make the room literally turn in. It'll shake. Yeah. Uh, I, I've heard of, like, big headliners afraid to follow this man. Who's your favorite comic that you saw live? Uh, so far, um, who I just saw this past weekend, actually. Oh, Tony he did Rock. good? He did good? Bro, Tony Rock was amazing. Okay. Uh, his crowd work, second to none, dog. And I came in with no expectations. I've never seen him live. I've yeah. only seen, like, clips and stuff. But um, when I saw him, like, go up originally – I was like, okay, like I don't know what he's about to do. I don't know if he's gonna do material. And I kind of looked up some stuff about what he does at shows. Yeah. And somebody was like, oh, excuse me. Uh, stupid allergies. Um, somebody was like, yeah, it's always a different show with him. I was like, interesting. So maybe he does crowd work. I didn't know. But my man went up there, bro, and he just like pop, 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 pop. Like it was just so quick and it was so mm-hmm. fast. Somebody would do something in the audience that wasn't part of his set. And he address it. He would like attack it. It was just so. It was just so smooth, mm. you know. Like I was, I was thoroughly impressed mm. uh, for not having seen him do anything, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it was really inspiring. Yeah. Because the way he would like weave in and out of his jokes to do crowd work and then go right back to the joke, I really couldn't tell what was material and what was until I saw him a couple more times on the, over the weekend. I was like, oh, I see what he's doing. Wow. It was a it was a very cool learning experience. Man, I'll be trying to do that, but I'll be too high. I'll, I'll be forgetting. I'm like, what joke was I saying? <laughs> what was that? Bro, the favorite person I saw live was uh, uh, Marlon Wayans. Really? Oh, my gosh, bro. He's good like that? Man, I remember when I was like, I, I didn't start comedy yet, but I was just, I was waiting. And I went to go see him at the Funny Bone. I was by myself. This is the first time I ordered a drink by myself, too. Like, okay. my favorite, my, the only drink I order when I go to a restaurant is a Moscow Mew, because that's the only thing I know. <laughs> I don't really drink like that. But man, like, he's so energetic. Yeah. He's just so, he's very animated. And I'm just like, man, this dude is great, bro. Like, he expounds so many, so much energy on stage. Like, it's just, when he got done, I was like, all right. He gave me, like, permission to do it. Like, I can do this. Like, not saying that what he how he did it was easy, but like at first when I first did comedy, I thought I was animated. But as I got older, I don't be wanting to do all that. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I'll be like, nah, nigga, like get your ass up off this floor. But like, yeah, like when I was first animated and I saw him, I was like, bro, I could do this, bro. Like this is, like yeah, like this is yeah, like I always tell comics, like well, I don't always tell comics, but like anytime you can go to a, a, a go see a, a real comic, like professional one that's touring doing this for life like go watch it or like funny bone like like not funny bone but um netflix hbo max i remember i was uh at one point i like to like study shows i was watching a uh, deaf comedy jam i was going back watching all the old school ones and all that type of stuff and you learn a lot like you learn a lot and it's very valuable especially if you can't hit a mic or you know yeah. try to hit a mic and you don't get up like go home and like 
study a comedy special. You'll be thoroughly surprised. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there because that was another tip that another comic gave me that has a special out, has an album out, and it was like he's he's actively headlining right now. He was telling me that wherever you're at, your hometown, if y'all have a club, work that club and be in their face and just be there all the time. Like learn from the people who are coming through your town through that club because you're gonna see way more from those pros than if you just do your open mics in your city and, and don't branch out. And um, that's been some of the most valuable advice I've gotten because you you're right. You go and you see the people who you might might know by name, maybe don't. Yeah. They go up there and they kill it. You're like, dang. How are you doing with the clubs? Because do you do you be trying to get in there? Because I'll be trying to get in there. And, like, the open <laughs> mics is cool and everything. And I've got, like, listen, I've gotten, like, tremendously better because, you know, the club here wasn't really – open to us at first yeah it was like last year and ever since then i've gotten like tremendously better and going to cincinnati too yeah but like i'd be scared to go up to the club and just be <laughs> like yeah i'm just here to see a show because like i don't know like i feel like i feel like a phony when i be up there first but when i be at other clubs i don't feel like a phony i feel like i know what i'm doing like when i'm here i'll be like i don't know maybe because it's a home club you feel like you got to prove yourself i don't know well, to be fair, uh, our home club, our home funny bone is like the corporate one. It's like that's the one that does a lot queer back into the other one. So they're under a lot more pressure than the other ones uh, in that regard. So the pressure is 100 percent there. Um, but at the same time, I think it's the same process. Like uh, that that person gave me that advice. Like he, he's from Columbus. Mm-hmm. He, he walked he walked that path and was like, yeah, just be in their face. You got they don't. They don't book you because they don't know you. Also, you haven't been passed, which is something I'm learning. They pass certain comics, and then those are the ones that they, they kick out to the other clubs and the other cities and states. Yeah. So you want to get to the point where they know who you are, uh, they're familiar with your comedy, and they can essentially reach out to you when they need to. Um, or specifically, if you're local, come to as many shows as you can uh, with other comics that come out. Like They'll, they'll request you because they come back. Like That's the cool thing about our club. They'll have multiple... Uh, shows uh, either in a weekend or in a year. So they come back another year. Like, let's say uh, a few months from now, if I was really cool with Tony Rock after his show and he knows that I do comedy, I'd be like, hey, you want a guest spot? Yeah. That familiarity definitely helps me get the guest spot as opposed to one he didn't know at all. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's good to meet you, man. You know, yeah. here's a shot, get out my face. Uh, Toyloy's been really good at that. Chris Toyloy, mm-hmm. he built a pretty good relationship with uh, Big J Okerson. Awesome. Whenever he's in town, it takes nothing for him to be like, hey, I mean, if you got any extra guest spots, I'd love to do one. Yeah. Boom. Now he's got that relationship. He can get the guest spot. But it's just forming those relationships with people who come through our town. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier when they come back. And be like, oh, that Ty dude. Like, he was funny. He was cool. Mm-hmm. Like, ask him if he wants to do a guest spot. So that would be the easiest bridge I can tell you uh, for comics you probably know or don't know when they're coming into town to our Funny Bone. I imagine it's the same process with other clubs no until problem. they pass you. Yeah. If you're not sure what that means, it's just when – a club is seeing your stuff. They're familiar with who you are as a comic, and they've given you the pass to do their regular shows, either featuring, headlining, you know, opening, whatever. Yeah. Um, they know who you are. You're club, in their little circle. Man, clubs is a different ball game, bro. They're like, hard. It's a different <laughs> ball game. Everybody and their mama think they're a comic, so it's yeah. like you got to prove yourself worthy. Now, if you have, like, a huge online presence, like on social media, yeah. it makes it even easier for the clubs to pass you because you're gonna br- you're guaranteed to bring people. Yeah. Like, they won't even think twice. Like, if you got, like, a million followers online mm-hmm. that are active on your, on your, on your uh, account and, mm-hmm. like, follow you everywhere, they will not hesitate to put you on the show, man. Yeah. I'm just trying to learn, like, what jokes to say in clubs because I'll be, I be telling ma- mainly appropriate jokes. 
But then when I did a showcase down at the Funny Bone in Cincinnati, I felt like I I, I didn't pick the right jokes. But the crowd was like they were their volume level was out of six. They weren't going past the six, which okay. is fine. But like, but then when I went to the Toledo Funny Bone, like they was like, yeah, we want to have you back up here. Like let's let's get you in. But like, I think I need to do a better job of like following up with the GM. Cause you know they'll they'll say that and they'll forget, which is you know I ain't mad about it. They got they they got a lot of things on their mind, but like I'll be like, man, man, let me get on this show because <laughs> I'm trying to get up out of here. You know, I'm trying to. When I like doing clubs though, clubs is fun, and I've gotten to the point now, a couple months ago, where I'm comfortable doing a uh, crowd work at clubs. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's big. Cause that's usually you, I yeah. would stick to the script. You know? <laughs> like we not going off this joke. That's it. Yeah. Well, the fortune definitely is in the follow up. So if you're building those relationships, don't be afraid to double down. Like, hey, just wanted to follow up with you. Thanks for having me at your club. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything I can do to like earn a guest spot in any upcoming shows, let me. I'm I'm open to advice. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. be be that open ear for them to tell you what they need from you to be an active candidate in the pool of comics you're pulling from. Yeah, I'm supposed to be going up there next month for a Father's Day show. Heck yeah. Which I'm happy about. I, I want to yeah, shit bro. on my father. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I think the other the other way you could do it is to have those local relationships with those clubs. Yeah. yeah. So they, you have local comics that have built their way into those clubs and already have been passed and already are doing regular stuff there. It takes nothing to have an introduction. Hey, you know what's fucking crazy, dog? What? When the older comics come up to you and be like, bro, I like your shit, bro. Like that shit. <laughs> yeah. First you would come up to me and then everybody just randomly come up to me like, bro, you getting better, bro. Like that, yeah. that shit right there, I love that shit. That shit's so fun. That's a great feeling when people notice your progress. Yeah, 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 it is, man. It is. And I and they, they still think I'm a new comic, which I appreciate. I wanna I, when you, you used to say that, I, I don't I've never told you this, but you have helped my career in so many ways that you have you have no idea. You used to really? always yeah, you used to always call me a new comic and that used to piss me off. Um but you would call me you would call me a new comic and that would piss me off so much. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm not I'm not new. Like, what is he talking about? But I was into this podcast and they were talking about it's so good to still be called a new comic because once you become old, like it's it's a wrap. <laughs> and then um also like Lucas used to put me early. I don't know, I don't think I ever requested it, but I think he might have did it one time. And then I used to be like, Hey, I gotta go to work at like four o'clock in the morning. You know where I can get up early, so he started putting me early. And then you <clears throat> and then you took over and then you kept putting me early, but you kept putting me early like kept putting me kept putting me early like it didn't matter if it was a monday or a friday and i used to get pissed like bro why does he keep putting me fucking early bro but then like that helped me grow as a comic so much because when you're like one of the first ones and you got to get them like warm or stay hot or whatever like that shit is so hard and like it used to piss me off because i'm like dang i gotta do this and i don't know how to do it <laughs> but it got me so much better like so fast because i had to do it so now i prefer to go early because like Going last, it is hard. Going to the middle, that's easy. But, like, going up first, like, and I didn't understand why, but, like, I'm like, man, I'm just going to use this and, like, practice this for, like, when somebody want to bring me on the road and, like, open for them. Like, this is my this is my practice. This Every week, going up early, this is my practice on my mentality. Somebody pull me off and be like, hey, can you open? Like, I've already done this, like, a thousand times. So that's what I, that's the mindset I took from it. Like, I'm going to use this as practicing opener for, like, somebody big and, like, I don't know when that time coming, but like it's gonna come because like you, everybody knows in the city now. Put Tyler like early, like yeah, the, like you and Lucas like started that. Hey man, well I'm glad I could be some value to another guy. <laughs> at least one. 
because uh, I mean, you're right. That first, those first couple of slots for an open mic, even a regular show, it may it can make or break the momentum. Yeah, the host may not do much up front. They may get them a couple laughs and just get them a little warm. If they're hot, then it really doesn't take much work. But for those colder, lukewarm rooms, and you come up first, second, third. I mean, it, it really does take everything in you to open them up. Yeah. And if you don't have those skills yet, it's going to break you. Yeah. Or at least break you down a little bit until you can build yourself back up. Uh, but going like those first few slots or somewhere towards the end, it builds character. Yeah. You It builds it fast because yeah. you find out real quickly if you want to do this. Some people are unforgiving, bro. They will just straight face you, bro. Like, what are you doing? And uh, if you don't have the, the fortitude... It'll it'll break you down, and honestly, I see a lot of people quit because they can't do those first couple slots. So I'm proud. I'm proud of you, dude. I like, I've seen you grow super fast. I like going uh, early, early. Any like young comic listen to this request early spots. It is the scariest <laughs> thing ever, but it will grow you a pair of balls real quick, man. It, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I hated it at first, but I love it now. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's an honor to go first at a, at a show. To be honest with you, you get to be the first impression. Like yeah. they, the, whoever's booking that show or puts you in that first first couple of slots, they believe that you'll do a good job for them and everyone there to set up the room for everyone else. Yeah. So it really is a big deal to be like some of those first few. But at the same time, if you're the headliner or the feature, I mean, people might have came for you. Yeah. So you've already earned your stripes. But if you're if you're newer in their eyes or they're you're maybe not familiar with them, uh, to be one of the first few people, they're really trying to see like, can you deliver? I like opening up for sure. You even had me open up for uh when we did um was the dolphin line. Yeah, bro. bro I feel you like, killed it there. I feel like that show it. like that was a good one. You turned, got that footage? Yes, I okay, feel like bro. I feel like that show turned my career around. Like I grew a pair that day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. grew a pair that day, man. Yeah, that feel like that audience was putting hair on people's chests, bro. Johnny did a Johnny Collins. He did a show there too. With I had I don't know if it was the same show or it was a different show. That man walked up there. And he ripped that black crowd. Like, for a mm-hmm. white comic to go up there and do that with that, it was primarily black crowd. But I had never seen him do anything like that. Hey, man, I love when white comics tell black jokes. Like, as soon as they say black <laughs> this, my I take my AirPods. I'll be like, what you finna say, bro? Right, right, I right. Because right. I feel like it's so dope when a white comic could turn, make a black joke and make it so funny. Just the same. Just I feel like it's easier for us, like, when we do it against white people. But when they do it against us, that shit is hard because we yeah. are tough. And we'll be like, what are you saying? And how many, what racist tropes are you saying that yeah. I can well, discover? Well, comedy has been always been a part of our culture, mm-hmm. you know. So for us as comedians, we go up on stage in front of a black crowd. It's almost it's almost like a mini Apollo. They have that set built in expectation, like, "All right, you better be funny, bro. You look like us." And it's like there there are levels to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's levels where it's like if it's a comedy crowd. They're giving you the room you need to actually perform. Be yourself, yeah. your true self. If it's one of those more niche crowds, like maybe a little more hood or maybe even like a wider crowd that's more proper. And I mean that in like a conservative sense. Like they're just like, we're not usually around, you know, different types of people. We have our, our bubble that we exist in, but we're coming out of that bubble to be entertained. Some of those rooms can be a little more challenging because they don't have the culture to support what's about to happen in front of them. And they may not laugh because they don't understand or they may not have the experience to have the fun that you're trying to give them, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've learned that just from experience. You're thinking like, oh, I sucked or all oh, the crowd just hated me. It's like, no, no, no. You have to understand all audiences are not the same. All rooms are not the same. And if you can get to that level of maturity 
you'll be comfortable with being in front of a room you're not mm-hmm. used to being in front of. Yeah. And just kind of work work the room until they're where you want them to be. See, I can make Negroes laugh, but I can't make niggas laugh. That, like, <laughs> I really, like, it's hard, man. But it's that, different. I, it's I, definitely I, different. I realize that that's why I tell, like, you got to go to, like, people be asking me for advice. Like, people not here in the city, and I'll be like, bro, my answer going to always be the same, bro. You got to go to mics. Like, it's just not about the reps. That's what I thought it was at first. But it's really about learning different audiences, man. Like, if you, everybody think, like, once they get to the level that they aspire to be, like, oh, I'm going to be in the clubs every week. I'm going to make everybody laugh. And it's not necessarily all that, you know? Like, on Saturdays, you got your drunks. On Fridays, you got your people that have been in there. They done worked all week. They 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 done bought tickets to the show, but they energy low. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you, how are you going to work that crowd? And you only know when you go to open mics man open mics really teach you a lot so many people be trying to like oh i'm gonna just slide by i'm gonna just wait somebody blow up and they're gonna take me with them but you're doing yourself a disservice by doing that you know what i'm saying like i don't know like for me i'll be thinking like weird shit like i'll be thinking about like okay if i was to ever blow up like who would i take with me and i ain't taking nobody with me who ain't putting in the work like because if you're not you're gonna bring me down i can't be i can't be like that i gotta have somebody that's putting in the same work as much as me or more than me. Shout out to you again. Like, I was seeing other mics all the time. Be like, bro, this nigga is always here. God dang. Can I go to a mic and this nigga not be here, bro? Like, who is? But I always wait because I was like, shoot, if he go, then nigga, I'm going. Like, you know what I'm saying? But it, it be like that. But nah, man, you the, the open mics really do teach you how to, like, operate different crowds. And that's how I got good at crowd work. Like, just, it went, it's only 11 people here. I'm not about to waste my time with jokes. I'm about to just... Work about to find a joke. Work it out. No, no, no. That's that, and that's a very mature move. Once you've gotten the quantity of stage time, and you start scooting into that quantity, or sorry, quality of stage time, uh, where it's like you may be doing a lot less, but now you're taking advantage of the little bit of time you are on stage every week consistently, because now it's not about just material. Now it's about fine tuning the craft as you work on different aspects, crowd work, or maybe just doing some off the cuff stuff that you had an idea for a joke, and it's not really put together but you're gonna loosely figure it out with this crowd so yeah no that's that's something yeah like like i told you um a couple weeks ago like i take my phone up there with me yeah because my anxiety be like super duper high and <laughs> i used to be up there like trying to memorize the joke if you're a new comic i would say not take your phone no notes at all whatsoever because you need to you need to have that sense of panic like what do i do you know what i'm saying so yeah. that when you get older in your comedy career you'll know like all right you'll know not to panic you know what I'm saying? you'll know what to do but now I'm I'm past that. I take my phone with me because I my anxiety be super high. I'm like I'm just gonna read this word for word. This is practice. This is not a show, and we're just gonna just go up there, give them this rough draft, memorize the lines where they laugh, try to work on the lines that they didn't, or completely take it out. And I learned that from a I was watching a documentary about the comedy store, and they were talking about Richard Pryor. How he would go up there and bomb for like six weeks. So I didn't know like the process. He'd go up there, bomb for six weeks, and then he would come back and then like all of a sudden like the light would just switch and he would have like a bomb set and that was because bombing good but he had like a good set that's because he took everything that was bad and he took it out of it and then kept all the good stuff so that's what you see me do i'll go up there with my jokes word for word and then i'll just keep saying and keep saying it and then i'll just take out all the bad stuff and then i'll go up there and just say the good stuff even though i know i'm not gonna memorize it's gonna be bad till i get it memorized and then once i get up there then i'll you know keep working it out even on stage, or I like if I'm at a show, I'll say it, then I'll come up with something else, add that to it. So it's just it's just an ever process. Because early on, I used to write like a joke like every week until like a new set every week, and I was just like too much, you know what I'm saying? But like once I learned like how to do it, I was like, all right, this this works more for me, and I get more out of this. So, but like I'm I'm trying to work on like uh, keeping jokes for a quarter, 
because too many people be like keeping jokes for two years and yeah. that's that's all they do which yeah. is like you know what i'm saying but like i try to work on a new set of jokes like every quarter okay and just like try to keep it fresh and funky like that no, that, because we don't have as much mics as like New York or LA. Right, right. But that's smart because like if you get locked into those old jokes and they're like two, three years old or whatever, and you're like, this is all I got. It's like yeah. it stunts your creative process significantly. And then you're afraid to try new things, take risks. And you're like that pressure. You feel that pressure of the new expectation because you're like, I feel familiar with comedy. Now I got to only do this instead of take risk or, or be bad or whatever. Yeah. And uh, that can that can be its own form of self-sabotage you know but yeah i definitely agree you need to have your uh own process yeah. develop a process that works well for you creatively but also uh as you practice yeah. you know how you i always i've always believed that what how you practice how you're gonna perform much like sports mm -hmm. so if you're up here at an open mic or even like some of the the mics that you get get better at even like showcases where they give you like open mic type of time um how you're practicing is how you're going to eventually perform if you're up there you know looking at your phone and you're not eventually getting off book, off the phone, and actually interacting and performing your jokes, that type of behavior will transfer to a show when you eventually do one, and you find out immediately, probably the worst time, that that's not how you practice comedy if you're trying to elevate it. But at the same time, if that's how you get off book, by reading off your phone until you can eventually be off book, um, then that that's, that's perfect. That works best for you. But you have to figure that out. Uh, from going mic to mic and, yeah. and realizing there isn't any one way to do comedy. Yeah. I even, like, practice my jokes once I do got to memorize, like, while I'm driving, yeah. listen to music real loud. Yeah. Because, you know, you might have a, a show. You could even have a show at the Funny Bone, but it might be a whole section of people talking. Yeah. Like, I had that one time when I was when I went to Toledo. It was a whole people with section talking, but I don't know. Like, niggas, they don't fuck with me, but, like, they fuck with me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like they won't laugh, like, all the time, but, like, They'll be talking before I go up, and then when they see me go up, they'll be like, oh, this nigga do comedy. Let's be quiet and listen. And yeah. then I don't, I didn't hear him talking until, like, towards the end. But, like, yeah, like, yeah, like, man. I yeah, think we be, yeah. part of that stage presence, you know, no oh, matter yeah. who's in the audience, if you can command the room with your stage presence once you get up there, they'll shut up. Oh, yeah. They will. I mean, you'll have to always yell up or be like, hey, be quiet. But it's how you carry yourself once you get up there. You grab the mic, you start talking. You have a very... Uh, you have a very um, commanding voice when you're on stage, even off off stage while we're talking. I'm sure people are like, man, that man sounds sexy. <laughs> but uh, no, it's just like once you get up there, everything that you do, how you speak, how you carry yourself, how you're staying, all of that plays into your stage presence. And people feel that, dude. They see it, yeah. too. And you can make rooms that were a little more unruly, more manageable because of how you are when you're on stage and i've seen you do it yeah um i do it when i want to sometimes i like the challenge of being like all right this loud ass room let's get it and i can usually do it there's a lot of psychology that goes into it though but uh, i learned most of it from hosting uh which was the other thing i was going to say if you haven't had a opportunity to regularly host anywhere um, that would be another way to kind of snowball your learning curve because when you have to host you have to be kind of the barometer a really thermostat of the of the room like you got to keep it at a certain temperature and when it falls down you can bring it back up but if it's too hot you'd be like man just keep going i don't got the patience to be hosting because <laughs> y'all be going through some shit like people don't get what they want to be on their list i'll be like listen nigga where you at is where you at <laughs> i ain't got time and if you ain't up here you ain't up here like i ain't got the patience to it's be. politics for sure <laughs> but you know you learn that other aspect of business you know yeah. you get the same kind of 
quality of streaming, I should say, when you're producing shows. Oh, you know, okay. people yeah, have I don't their... do that shit neither. No uh, well, you know, I did for a little bit. You had a couple of shows you produced, but you, you see it and you're like, oh, you were on my first show. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that was fun, dude. Yeah. Lab, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was so fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you learn, you get to see some of the ugliness of comedy. Like, mm-hmm. it's not all sunshine and rainbow. I mean, I don't know if anybody's getting into comedy thinking that, but um, yeah, no, there's a really ugly side to the business of comedy that you have to deal with. Uh, whether you want to or not, yeah. once you cross a certain point and start taking it seriously, if you never start taking it seriously, you'll never really see it. Yeah, you'll just see like the basic, my open mic level at best politics, and that's that's doable. That's just drama. Yeah, you know, that's people. Yeah, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot to learn as you start to really advance in the craft. Um, we've been talking for a minute. I ain't gonna look at the time. It's cool. I don't no, care. no, no. I, I, I figured we would. We talked, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I did want to wrap up um, with a couple of things. Um, we've already said a few of these things already, but mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you more uh, deliberately. Um, what's a, what's a piece of advice you would give a comic who's trying to get like one percent better at the craft of comedy? They could be brand new, veteran. It doesn't matter. But something you know for sure would help them gain that one percent. I think uh, maybe. Uh, 2021 probably a little bit of 2022 i started to get real frustrated because i feel like there's not i don't know how many producers we have in the city but we tend to book the same comics over and over usually they're our friends you know i don't take that to heart because um we usually work with people that we know you know or that we feel comfortable with but it was really pissing me off i'm like dang bro everybody come up to me and they tell me that they like my jokes or they wait um, instead of going to the patio, they wait for my set. Then they go to the patio. But I was like, but I'm not getting booked. And then I learned how to get booked. That's number one. And we can talk about that later. But I also realized, like, with me, instead of, like, because I ain't gonna lie, like, sometimes when I see that shit, I'll be getting jealous of envy. Because I'll be like, I, that person's not funny to me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll just keep it real. Like, so what I had to do was, I was like, all right. If you ever realize, like, when you're on the freeway and, like, maybe you're on your phone or whatever, or you, like, this happens to me all the time. Like, I'll be driving down High Street. I'll see a girl with a fat ass, and I'll look. I'll be like, damn, like, my head is all the way turned. And the next thing I know, I turn back over. I'm about to hit that car. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what I learned in this comedy game, I'll tell anybody young, you know, in between or old, to always stay in your lane. Like, just focus on you. Don't worry about where anybody else is booking. Don't worry about how many bookings they got. Don't worry how many albums they got, many specials. Just focus on you. If you focus on you and just worry about you, and even with that, write jokes about you. Like, just write jokes about, if you never had anal sex, don't be writing jokes about (laughs) anal sex. Like, just write jokes about you. Stay in your lane and just focus on you. And sooner than you know it, you will be farther than you ever thought you would be. And that's how, like, really that's what my... Like, as far as, like, booking and, like, the material coming and just being comfortable, more comfortable on stage was, like, when I really started to just focus on me and not worry about everybody else being booked, like, what shows they doing, why ain't nobody booking me, just really just focus on me, worry about my own bookings and worry about what I can control. And ever since I do that, like, it's been easier. That's dope. Yeah. No, that's really good advice. Uh, I don't usually tag on to what people are saying when they give their advice towards the end of the episode, but I just learned this at the uh the show was at like like last night with tony rock mm-hmm. and uh that man is chalked full of wisdom bro like 
mid set towards the end. Well, actually, hey. towards the end. You made me feel bad that I didn't speak to him at the comedy yeah, man, store. Yeah, man, he was so good. Because <laughs> he was right in the bathroom, too. I was like, this is weird. I'm like, I ain't going to talk to him. <laughs> I mean, maybe not in the bathroom. That might. Yeah, we was, waiting might... In, we was waiting in line. He was at the door. He had the door open. I'm like, I ain't going. Ah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I well, get what game that. did he spit to you, though, bro? He was he was dropping gems all show, bro. And that that's the other reason why he's been one of my favorite people to see live because he wasn't just doing comedy, bro. He was literally giving life advice in between some of the jokes, and it was just some of the coldest advice I had ever heard, bro. The way he put it. So one of one of them was I was talking to this kid in the front, Cash. He was twenty one, going to Ohio State. wasn't sure he wanted to do his life, but he was like. Let me t- let me drop something on you because you're you're in a good place for a young black man, and I would say this to anybody in a similar position as you, or who's just like around your age, or just in general. He said, "Do the work first. Just put in the work and do all the work first, and then do everything else later. So you the parties are not going anywhere, the girls are not going anywhere, the places you want to go are not going anywhere, and if you do the work first, all that stuff is even better." Yeah. So build that foundation and become the person who puts in work, and then you can have even more fun later on. It's yeah. not going anywhere. And I was like, dang! I wrote that down immediately. Nah. <laughs> um, Endless supply of white coochie out here. Oh my god, man! It ain't going nowhere, <laughs> man. All these people, especially we have, and that was the other thing I learned. Actually, two other things. Um, I found out in one of his jokes that we have the highest uh, black uh, black man to white girl ratio in the country. Ooh. So like there's there's more interracial couples in Columbus anywhere even in Arizona even more so in Arizona I know that's crazy but uh, I was like oh I'm taking all these notes but then the last piece of advice I got from Kenny Mock via uh, Tony Rock who gave Kenny Mock this uh, this advice if anybody doesn't know Kenny uh, Mock is he's one of the funniest local (laughs) comics in Columbus Ohio he works out with like he does workout rooms and like shows with like Jason Banks Bobby Dodds like this dude's an OG and is still killing it he just won uh his, his satellite yeah his satellite yeah. um round in uh arizona he's gonna be in vegas for the finals and he's super funny Definitely and he will be on the comedians in bed podcast here coming up soon in a couple weeks hey <laughs> i asked him to do uh mike side chat too so hopefully he pops yeah with me. but uh his advice was the last one i learned I'll, I'll drop real quick he was like uh tony told me that a joke is done when you can't get it wrong so you've said the joke so many times. It's built into you, the inflections, everything. You can't tell the joke wrong. That's how you know the joke is done. Damn, I ain't got none. No done. <laughs> You're like, I got a, I got a while to go. But uh, no, I, like that hit me like a ton of bricks. Where I was like, wow, I've got maybe like two or three jokes like that. I can tell all my jokes on command. I know them because I've written them and I've, I've done them a few times over. But um, yeah, like I think there, I got some work to do too, man. After yeah. I heard that. But, uh, yeah, just keep doing jokes until you can't get them wrong. Not until you get them right, but until you can't get them wrong. That's a different level of, like, uh, mastery, you know? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to be taking that advice as well because I just got that, like, less than 24 hours ago. Yeah, me too. Dang, I ain't got no jokes. All right, cool. <laughs> Thanks to the drawing board. <laughs> yeah, dog. Well, I appreciate you hopping on. Uh, do you have any shows or anything coming up? I got a show on Thursday, June 1st at 8 o'clock at the Attic. It's only $5, so uh, come out to that. Um, I got another show possible, but I won't know until the day else. I'm not going to tell you about that. But then if you guys are in Cincinnati, I'll be at the Go Bananas for the Funniest Person in Cincinnati Contest on June the 20th. That show is at 730. I think the ticket is only at uh 
five dollars as well. You can get those on those websites, the Attic and Go Bananas, and you guys can check me out on uh on Instagram at Ty Comedy at T Y E Comedy. Once again, that's T Y E Comedy. I'll be looking forward to you guys follow me here soon. You beat me to the punch. I was about to ask them, uh, ask you where they could find you, man. Look hey, at man. you. You're on the same way. Like, <laughs> I'm actually gonna take a because I've listened to enough of your episodes. I love when you do this at the end. So I'm gonna take a page out of your book and ask you the same question you asked your comics. Why should people listen to Mike's side chat? <laughs> See, I, <listen. laughs> I know which the, I always do like the three lies. I, I know which one he's going to do. You should listen to this one because uh, I'm not going to lie. I really don't listen to a lot of uh, comedy ones. I think I listen to, I don't even listen to my own podcast because I do it. That's fair. You know, but uh, <laughs> I, I listen to this one. I listen to uh, another one that's ran by a white man. We're not going to uh, speak that name on here because this is black friendly. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, but nah, you should listen to it because it's really great conversation is very funny um it's very authentic i love like i told you i love the uh people talking in the background it, it real it feels it gives that authentic vibe i don't know how you're gonna do it in the winter time but you know good luck with that uh we'll just pepper in some <laughs> uh some people talking into the episode on laugh track or whatever but you should definitely listen to it man because it's a good time it'll make you laugh and you can learn more information and if you're new to the scene you can find out uh comics and you won't feel so weird but you'll have like a good icebreaker to talk to them about like when you meet them and stuff like that and you can find new comics if you're like trying to book a new comic for your show instead of the same ones you could there's a whole list of you can put out like 15 episodes so for this 15 new comics they could book instead of the same 10 they've been booking for the past 10 years <laughs> you know i actually never really thought about that <laughs> no, that's no for real you got some new i'll be like i've never heard of this person before yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i'm trying to find i'm trying to find these you know diamonds in the rough that are putting in the work and they're actually like cool people you know yeah. we also got some old heads who are coming back around and uh, they're starting to like get back on stage. I know COVID scared a lot of the uh, the older comics pre-pandemic away from getting back on stage, and I'm starting to see some of them come back out more and more. And they were some of the funniest people in the city, dog. So it'd be cool to see them. Like Wonder Doug, uh, he is doing a come uh, coming back show, like coming back out to the the, to the scene and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, very shortly here. I'm not sure what the exact date is, but if you look up Wonder Doug. Uh, that show's going to be dope, bro. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to get there if, if I don't have any shows or anything going on. But uh, people like him, Nick Glasser, like people I started comedy with, bro, like and started right before me, bro, to see them back in the scene, that'll be, that'll add another dimension to our comedy scene because now we don't just have a bunch of new people, up and comers. Now we got some of the veterans coming back out and imparting that wisdom and changing the game. Now we don't have a lot of immature 20 year olds. <laughs> Bro, I'm getting tired of hearing these sex jokes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. This but, dude got uh, a new nah, I, really, I know we getting starting to get the bugs out here. But uh, I genuinely appreciate you hopping on, sir. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate you having um, me. Y'all definitely check out Comedians in Bed, and that's uh, that's his podcast and some of the shows ties coming up. But even check him out on Instagram too. Like you said, spell his name out and find him out there. Uh, this is Mike Side Chat. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please leave a review. Let me know what you think. Subscribe for updates. And I'll see you guys next time.